What is up? Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Life Show presented by DraftKings. It's the flagship show. So glad you could be here as we wrap up week 13 and get you ready for week 14, final regular season week for a lot of fantasy leagues. Happy to be joined with my fabulous co-host, Ian Harditz, Dwayne McFarland, and Matthew Friedman. And uh, Friedman, we have made this long slowish slog to the sea i mean like way back in august this seemed like it was light years away but now here we are staring the end of the regular season in the face is i, I mean i i don't know how we got here other than i guess the normal slow marching of time i mean the world ends with a whimper this could be one of the worst week 14s that we will ever have in nfl history i hey i'm not happy about it uh hopefully all of the weather issues that we might have this slate end up like going north or whatever it is like just hopefully things get better but this could be a terrible week of fantasy that we have on store uh, a lot of lackluster production i hope it's not the case but prepare yourselves i wow. mean we've got a week with weather uh we've got lackluster matchups we've got injured quarterbacks and we have two teams on a bye uh, when a whole bunch of people are needing wins to get into their fantasy playoffs. So what more could you really ask for? Um, one thing you can certainly ask for, and it comes to you free of charge, is the Fantasy Life newsletter. You can go to FantasyLife.com. You can sign up for that. Subscribe. Uh, get all the information you need to help you get ready for your fantasy postseason. That and more comes to your inbox every single day for the low, low price of free 99 Speaking of playoff prep, might as well dive into it and uh, look at some guys who may be getting some playoff upgrades. And Ian, we'll start down in Houston, where the Texans have been a passing offense that we have wanted parts of pretty much since the first couple weeks of the season. The unfortunate news, Tank Dell is gone for the rest of the year with a broken fibula. Nico Collins has been having a very good year regardless, but now with no Tank Dell, is it that we're looking at Collins as a matchup-proof, must-start guy every week? Not even just very good year, though, Marcus. That's the crazy thing here. We're talking about the league's number three-ranked player in yards per out run behind only Brandon Ayuk and Tyreek Hill. I mean, truly, it's just one of these things where so many receivers are having incredibly efficient years that Nikos is almost relatively running under the radar, just, again, relative to what we've seen even some of these past years. So, yeah, obviously, even before the Tank Dell injury, Nico was someone that we were starting far more weeks than not, and this does just cement him in that wide receiver one spot. So, not going to be the easiest matchup here in this one. It is going to ping pong a bit because we get the Jets, then the Titans, then the Browns, then the Titans again. So not sure we're going to get four straight smash weeks, but certainly need to be starting him in lineups of all shapes and sizes at this point, despite this upcoming tough matchup. But Dwayne, where I think it gets more interesting is because, as we've seen all year, CJ Stroud more than capable of enabling more than just one fancy relevant option. So apart from Nico Collins, I mean, we got Noah Brown solidifying that number two wide receiver spot. Dalton Schultz dig in a limited practice to start the week, but if he's not going to return, Brevin Jordan has a pretty full-time role. So, Dwayne, I'm with you on Nico, wide receiver one season, but how are we feeling about Noah Brown and company ahead of what is still admittedly a really tough spot against Sauce Gardner and company? I think you could argue Noah Brown belongs in the wide receiver three conversation just based on the upside we saw from those two games where he scored like over 23 fantasy points. So he definitely has my attention. He's not 
a high-end target earner historically. We do see some guys from time to time pop up and do more than what we would think as far as you know their target shares go. And typically, they play the position that Noah Brown is playing. They play the slot. So most of the times when we get that kind of surprise, it comes from one that gets to play inside, get to play against more against linebackers, a lot of zone coverage, play against the safety. So I think that's a positive. The other guy that gets to play inside against the safeties and linebackers is Dalton Schultz. And he's already shown us this year that he can be a valuable fantasy asset as well. So I do think everything condenses around these three players. Robert Woods will also be out there as well. He just hasn't been able to get much going since he left the lineup with injury. Um, didn't even play a full-time role last week, but I, I, I leave the light on for him to even potentially turn into someone that we could sneak into DFS lineups later in the season because of what you mentioned. CJ Stroud is the man. He's on pace to throw for more than 5,000 yards. He's going to absolutely obliterate Andrew Luck's rookie passing yardage record that goes back to 2012 or is that 2013? I can't remember, but anyway, not too long ago, but that's going to be a record that now belongs to, you know, uh, CJ Stroud. And when we talk about Collins, just real quick, you know, he's already the wide receiver 11 on the year with 17.7 points per game. And in games without Tank Dell, Ian, 31% target share. Actually, that's plays without Tank Dell, not just games without Tank Dell. 31% target share when Tank Dell's not on the field. So if you look at his comp group based on what he's done over the last few games and that data point, it would actually be the wide receiver six with some great names like Andre Johnson, Demarius Thomas, guys like that. Brandon Marshall had a season that was very similar to the one that we could see from Nico the rest of the way. Does get the Jets this weekend, so it is going to immediately test our uh, question here. Can he survive in any matchup? This is one of the toughest matchups. But we have seen the Bills drop some points on him, have seen the Dolphins drop a lot of points on him. We saw Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle get to 100 yards receiving in that game. Tyreek also scored a touchdown. I think Collins has got a chance to do that. I honestly think the biggest factor this week for Nico Collins is the weather. It could be a really gross game. We're, gonna, we're probably going to have rain, 15 to 20 miles per hour, all the things that Friedman alluded to in that open that probably made everyone turn this off. <laughs> exactly. Um... I definitely one to watch, and I know some people have also sort of made the point that next week the uh, Texans get the Browns, so this might be a litmus test going into the fantasy playoffs about how they handle some of the tougher defenses around the league. I think you're still starting these guys anyway, but just in case you have some sort of trepidation, uh, keep an eye on this one. See how this one works out for that Houston passing game. The Arizona Cardinals are off this week, which means we are deprived of one of the top tight ends in fantasy right now, and that is Trey McBride. Uh, I mean, look, Friedman, this has sort of worked out that Zachert's going down with an injury. That's unfortunate. We never want that to happen, but that has opened the door for McBride to step through and be productive. Um, I mean, when you look at him this this season and what he's done so far uh, has he exceeded or how much has he exceeded your expectations and is this what we can expect for him is he a an elite tight end moving forward from now it's a good question about elite tight end moving forward it feels a little uh I don't know Tyler Higby-ish when he went on that awesome run to win leagues uh, a few years ago and then has done really nothing since then. Uh, so we could see something like that. You know, that was a five game sample. This is a six game sample here for Trey McBride. So I don't want to extrapolate too much. That said, I think he's going to be a superstar. He was fantastic in college. He entered the league with really good draft pedigree. And then he did absolutely nothing last year. So that was really disappointing, but he was blocked a little bit by Zach Ertz. He was playing in an offense that was, you know, pretty unimpressive. 
And tight end is just a hard position for these rookies to really come in and just dominate right away. And so you kind of take that into account and then you see what he's done over the past six weeks. He's had great target volume. He's on the field a lot, uh, you know, 8.3 yards per target. So he's an efficient guy and he's getting the target volume that just results in a lot of production. He's pacing for like over 1200 yards for the season. If you extrapolated out the six games, uh, you know, for the rest of the season, uh, or, or over a 17 game sample, like that is incredible production at the tight end position. That's like not quite Travis Kelsey level, but it is up there. So after like the locked in studs, I mean, McBride is going to be someone that everyone wants on their fantasy team next year when we're all doing our drafts. Dwayne, are you surprised at how much utilization he's gotten? Because he really is one of the focal points of that passing game. Yeah, I am. I mean, he was not good last year as a rookie. Now, it can take tight ends time to really come on in the league. Now, it doesn't look that way this year because we've got Sam Laporta, Laporta, Dalton Kincaid. All these guys are absolutely having great fantasy seasons. McBride got an opportunity late last year but wasn't able to do much with it. Obviously had a really good offseason, though, and was a highly thought of receiving tight end coming out of college coming out of college he was a second round or was a third round pick for the Arizona Cardinals two years ago and he is averaging 16.2 fantasy points over the last eight games since take or since week eight since taking over the full-time role 8.8 targets per game 32 percent target share Friedman alluded to some of these things but also a 60.3 air yards per game that's 29 percent if you go back and you look at his comps and, and Friedman said this it's a small sample but let's have fun. This is a young player that earned his way to the top, you know, of the depth chart, or he was earning his way already before Zach Ertz got hurt. Then Ertz went down. He took over the full-time role, and they like him so much, they've just moved on from Zach Ertz and let him go from the team. But if we look at the comps, and if he does keep this pace up, it would be with names like Darren Waller, George Kittle, Jimmy Graham, Travis Kelsey, Robert Gronkowski. You guys have any favorite tight ends that you love? Because they're probably on this list of the guys that that comp out closely to Trey McBride. I, I think he'll probably be, like I was thinking about this before the show, probably my tight end three or tight end four heading into next year. I do think he's the tight end two the rest of the way this year because we don't have Mark Andrews. I, I, don't, I think it's hard to put him behind anyone other than Kelsey. Obviously, there's other guys like Laporto that could – have something to say about this, but I mean, over the last uh, several games, it's really been more about McBride than any of those guys, as good as they've been. Well, we are excited to have more tight ends in our lives because every single year we do the same dance. We're in August. We try to convince ourselves that tight end is deep, and then we get to October, like tight end's not deep at all. What are we saying? So uh, maybe, maybe we can tell ourselves this lie next summer and actually believe it a little bit more. Uh, in the meantime... They say defense wins championships. I don't know how true that is in fantasy, but you do have to field one in a lot of leagues. So let's talk about some defenses to target for the playoffs. Uh, these are a handful of teams that have some good fantasy playoff schedules that are available in a lot of leagues. And uh, you know, let's start in Los Angeles because the Rams defense isn't maybe what it was a couple of years ago, but they're improving. They still have Aaron Donald, and they do have a schedule that actually looks pretty good the rest of the way. 
Yeah, and just to be clear, I'm trying to avoid the whole, oh, yeah, you know, guys play these 49ers and these Browns defenses. Have you heard of this, you know, Fred Warner character? Like, I get it. You've got them. They've gotten you the playoffs. That's great. So trying to focus on the defenses that are still okay enough in real life, but mostly guys just have absolutely smashable playoff schedules. And that's what we have in the Los Angeles Rams. So very much still in the playoff race, which means we're very much still going to have arguably the single best football player on the planet, Aaron Donald, getting the feast against, honestly, guys guys three of the best matchups that we could ask for first we're getting the Washington Commanders and Sam Howell on pace to have the most freaking sacks taken in NFL history after that it's either going to be Derek Carr or Jameis Winston pick whichever quarterback you want we're going to be thrilled about either and then Tommy DeVito in week 17 who yes Giants fans that's awesome I love the celebration he's given you a few smiles but like Sam Howell also has a 17 game pace of breaking David Carr's all-time sack record so Los Angeles Rams my number one favorite ad at the position ahead of the fantasy playoffs. All right. So the Rams in there, uh, the Colts also have a very good, I've, I said recently that they might be the one defense you can use that you might need uh, the rest of the, the fantasy season. And even losing Shaq Leonard, uh, Ian, this is a defense that, they're set up really well for the rest of the year. It's one of these things, too, where when you look at the Colts, I mean, they're only 27th in scoring defense on the season. Like, they're not a very good real-life group, but they've just been benefiting from an incredible schedule here in recent weeks. I mean, seriously, guys, if we go back to Week 7, they have faced the Browns, the Saints, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Buccaneers, and the Titans. That's why we've seen them score the third most fantasy points of any DST this season. And while I would expect that to go back to normal if they ever get a normal schedule, guess what? They don't. We're going to get to feast against either Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky in Week 15, Desmond Ritter in Week 16, and to top it all off, Aiden O'Connell in Week 17. So I got the Rams and the Colts again as these top two. If they aren't available, I think the next three best options for you guys are going to be the Texans, who get the Titans twice, as well as the Browns, the Packers who have good spots against the Buccaneers, Panthers, and Vikings, and the most owned of the group, but still available in 49% of leagues, the Atlanta Falcons going against the Panthers, Colts, and Bears. So five solid defenses, and again, as much as I do want to give the benefit of the doubt to the Chiefs, the 49ers, and even the Browns, when we look at the Cowboys and the Ravens in particular, guys, like, yes, great job by them, awesome units, they've gotten you this far, but the Cowboys got to face the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Lions, and the Ravens have the Jaguars, the Niners, and the Dolphins in the fantasy playoffs. I don't know about you guys, but I would honestly rather ride with these other five defenses ahead of those better real-life groups just because of these absolutely salivating matchups. Yeah, I, I think it's it's probably better maybe to go off book a little bit, especially this time of year, maybe play some of those matchups down the stretch, especially with teams that aren't going anywhere and don't offer a whole lot of resistance uh, when it comes to putting up points. Meanwhile, we got plenty to get into for the rest of the show. Do you need a running back? Chances are you do, even if it's just for some depth. And if you don't, well, the people in your league probably don't like you. They don't want to talk to you anyway, and this segment's not for you. We're going to come back and talk about some playoff running backs to stash. But first, hey, let's talk about DraftKings because we are back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers week after week. Fantasy Life has partnered up with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official partner of the NFL, and right now they have an offer you do not want to miss. All customers can get a no-sweat bet on any same-game parlay or same-game parlay X. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up using promo code FLS. And if you're a new customer, you're definitely going to want to listen up because right now on DraftKings, new customers who bet just $5 will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Wondering what you can do with your $150 in bonus bets? You can combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout. Now, if sports betting is not yet available in your state, no worries. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. All customers can use the promo code FLS and get a no-sweat bet. Get a bonus bet back if your SGP or SGPX bet loses. Max reward limits apply. That's promo code FLS only. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Well, if you play fantasy football, chances are you have trust issues because we've all had our hearts broken plenty of times. And so to try and help you avoid any heartbreak, you were late in the regular season or throughout the playoffs. Talking about some running backs, maybe you go pick up and stash right now. And we'll start in Philadelphia where... Every once in a while, it seems like the Eagles forget they have DeAndre Swift on their roster, or they decide they just want a little bit of variety in their lives, and they use somebody else. And so that leads us to Kenneth Gainwell. And, uh, Dwayne, I don't know when you're going through and, and looking at utilization. Have you figured out kind of a rhyme or reason for Kenneth Gainwell, and is it enough to believe that maybe he'll have a role in the fantasy postseason? I haven't ne- necessarily figured out anything as far as the rhyme or reason, but He does get used on passing downs, and he does appear to at least be the number two right now in Philadelphia. We've still got games where Rashad Penny's not active. You've got Boston Scott mixing in a little bit, and he is the guy that seems to have that, I don't want to say he has a great three-down skill set, but we know he can handle the passing down similar to DeAndre Swift. He offers that explosive playmaking upside that we have seen from him at times, so the Eagles seem to want a guy that can do those things. So I think if something did happen to DeAndre Swift, he would probably see a similar workload to what we've seen from Swift, maybe 50% of the work. Um, now, the matchups for him are really nice, you know, down the stretch. If something were to happen for Swift, knock on wood, we don't want any of these players to get hurt. You got to get through this week against Dallas, but then you face off against the Seahawks, who give up plus 3.6 points per game to running backs, the New York Giants plus 1.8. And then you play against the Cardinals at plus 4.5. I mean, look, Ian, I know we're not expecting Kenneth Gainwell to suddenly surpass DeAndre Swift, but he just feels sort of like an insurance policy, I guess, at this point in the season. And that's all we're looking for right now, Mark. It's like, show me a running back on your waiver wire that you're actually going to feel good about getting 15 plus touches without an injury occurring. And I'm going to yell about you not having enough people in your fantasy league at this point. So, I mean, look <laughs> at how things stand right now in week 14. Ezekiel Elliott, Tajay Spears, and Antonio Gibson, who's on a bye, are pretty much the consensus big three. Why? Because their starters got injured in week 13 in some way, shape, or form. So that's all we want to do with Kenneth Gamewell. And that's also all we're trying to do with Tyler Algier. So, still very much available in 47% of Yahoo leagues. And lest we forget what happened last season down the stretch, four straight top 16 PPR finishes to end the season. Also set up quite nicely with the fantasy playoff schedule facing the Panthers, the Colts, and the Bears. Yes, Algier is not going to give you guys anything if Bijan Robinson stays healthy, which I truly hope he does. But God forbid something happens. Maybe Bijan wins the lottery and decides to take the last half of the season off just to go hang out with some friends and family. Tyler Algier will be the 
the guy you want. So Algier, like Gamewell, not too much standalone value right now, but again, just one injury away from potentially exploding. So if you got that random backup quarterback, you know you aren't going to start a second DST. God forbid more than one kicker or any kickers at all for that matter. I do think guys like Gamewell, Algier, and also Joshua Kelly, Elijah Mitchell, Rico Dowdle, you know, Ty or uh, you know, Ty Chandler, I should say, going on in Minnesota. Like these are the running backs who are going to be on the covers of the waiver wire articles if anything happens. So get them on your rosters now instead of some complimentary wide receiver who you know beyond a shadow of the doubt you're not going to be starting the rest of the season. Along those lines, uh, Ian wrote an article over at Fantasy Life uh, for Fantasy Football Playoff Stashes, which you can go and check out for absolutely free. And it just seems fitting that we start this whole thing. We talk about trust issues and backups. Uh, talking about Arthur Smith, and you mentioned B. John Robinson. And, uh, Dwayne, the last few weeks, the numbers have looked good for Bijan. The utilization hasn't, I don't think, increased significantly, unless I'm wrong. But our, we're getting more efficiency. We're getting more fantasy points. And I guess in this case, we, we trust the results more than the process. But uh, can the process be better, maybe? Uh, well, I mean, sometimes what we see in these situations is coaches are just trying to get players to like a certain opportunity count. And it's not as much about the percentage of snaps, percentage of carries, all those things. Every year we see this with four or five guys. And I think that is the case that we're getting with B. John Robinson over the last three games because he's averaging 23 opportunities per contest, Marcus, and he's staying really close to his baselines. 18.7 attempts per game and 4.3 targets per game over this last three. And so those are numbers that are far above what we saw from him earlier in the season. And it's not bouncing around, even though the snaps have been a little bit up and down and the rushing attempts have been a little bit up and down as well. The numbers have been there. He's also been one of the most efficient backs to your point in the league. 4.8 yards per carry that ranks seventh out of 39 backs with at least 100 carries 10 plus yard attempts. 15.1% of his carries go for 10 plus yards. That's second out of 39 backs and the missed tackles force per attempt, 23.9%. That ranks fourth out of 39. So anytime you have a back like Bijan that's getting the kind of workload and he's also an efficient player, that gives you the opportunity to have a blow up game. I went back to 2012 in my data using that efficiency and utilization information and the actual comps came out to a running back six scoring 18.7 points per game. Bijan this year sitting at running back 16 with 14.4 points per game. So I do think that he is in for an upgrade for the rest of the season. Would not surprise me at all if he finishes as a mid-range running back one. If he didn't play for Arthur Smith, I would be even bolder and I would be brave and I would say, oh, he's going to be a top three running back the rest of the way. But we are still dealing with Arthur Smith. So, you know, I'm not going to lie. That scares me. Arthur Smith can change things <laughs> at any moment. But I think it's as good of a trend as we've had all season for Bijan. And we, we all want good things. So I'm just going to run with it. Uh, so, Friedman, I'm going to ask you an unfair question, but sometimes life is unfair. Can we trust that Arthur Smith is going to do the right thing over the next few weeks? I think tentatively, yes. Um, what I will say is that <laughs> even if Bijan regresses to what he was doing earlier in the year with his usage, you know, the past three weeks have been fantastic, as Dwayne just outlined. Even if we don't see that again, he still has 15 plus opportunities in all 11 of his starts. It's, of course, taking away the game. He didn't start the game in which, you know, there were uh, trust issues with the injury report. He had only one carry in week seven. Take that out. 15-plus opportunities 
in every other game. So that kind of usage gives him a really high floor. And because of his natural talent, he has a really high ceiling. And if Arthur Smith, the fantasy gods be good, actually does decide to give Bijan Robinson like the full workload that he should have, then like the the ceiling is uh you know the moon in this instance. So I would go further than Dwayne and say like he has like the number one running back upside if we get this perfect marriage of like inherent efficiency and talent with the workload. What I love about fantasy football, folks, is that we we still hold on to the slightest shred of optimism. We can be pessimistic all day long, but you give us one or two really great data points, uh, and that optimism that we had back in the summer always comes rushing back. And that's where we are with Bijan Robinson. It also might be where we are with Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, here we are, Ian, in the year of our fantasy football lord, 2023, and in week 14, folks might be counting on Zeke. How did we get here? I mean, I guess... Obviously, there's the injury to Ramondre Stevenson, but but really, how did we get here? It's just that sweet, sweet volume, Marcus. You know how it goes. And honestly, the whole idea of going from Ramondre to Zeke, I understand when we say that out loud, we assume it's just some massive golf and efficiency, but really hasn't been this year. Guess what? Spoiler, guys. Nothing good has been coming out of this Patriots offense all season long. And again, just on the per carry and per yards per reception kind of metrics, yeah, Ramondre's at four, but Zeke's at 3.8. And Zeke's actually been the more efficient receiver throughout the season. So, no, not quite getting as many breakaway runs these days. Although, I did see Zeke go 70-plus to the house on a sadly nullified uh, catch-and-run here about a month or two ago. But, honestly, guys, it just comes down to, like, how important can volume be when we are in literally one of the worst offenses that we have seen in over a decade. Like, that's not even an exaggeration. No offense has scored fewer points during the first 13 weeks of the season than the 2023 New England Patriots right now. So, I know coming into the year when they initially signed Ezekiel Elliott, we said, well, he's probably going to be a real nuisance along the goal line, and he has been. But guess what? When you have six RB carries inside the five-yard line the entire season, it doesn't really matter for anyone involved. So offense is a joke. Uh, turns out just simply asking Matt Patricia to leave the building won't magically fix uh, the entire poorly constructed roster. Just seems like a matter of if not when we see this Patriots team completely reset everything that's going on. So long way of saying Zeke is a volume-based RB3 who I wouldn't feel good about putting in my fantasy lineup but good chance you don't have much of a choice to if you're sitting here in week 14 relying on Ezekiel Elliott in the year 2023 yeah I mean that's that's sort of where we are at this point uh hoping for the best volume hopefully winning the day uh, it's a game that you probably are going to have to uh, watch while holding your nose because it's not going to be a whole lot of fun but we'll talk about that a little later uh meanwhile the Dolphins have been a lot of fun to watch this year and Dwayne you and I have talked about this on the utilization report debrief that Devon Achan statistically seems impossible, right? Because he doesn't necessarily get a lot of opportunities, but it just seems like whenever he gets in the game, gets his hands on the football, great things happen. I mean, any any sort of like statistical you know, foundation you can put here, because it just doesn't seem like this should be continuing, but we should just enjoy it while it's happening. He's really fast. Like, that's my statistical analysis. <laughs> no one can catch him. Um, yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is totally true. 31.3 fantasy points per game in games where he reaches at least a 40% snap share. That is absolutely insane. In those con in those contests, averaging 13.5 rushing attempts and 3.3 targets, the average comp for him going back to 2012 is 14.5 points per game, and that's only including guys with crazy efficiency, and most of them don't 
reach Achan's efficiency, but I had to draw a cutoff somewhere, and they have finished as the running back 15. So, yeah, it's going to be hard for Achan to continue this. His schedule does get a little bit tougher, but even if he regressed by 10 points per game in fantasy terms, he would still be a top 12 running back. So there's just a lot of room to give, and you mentioned it, Marcus. It's it's the Dolphins, okay? They're going to score a lot of points. Um, they're out there to have fun. Everybody on the team is a mismatch. They just put everyone into these situations that most teams can't, um, even good defenses. So I don't think there's any way to look at HN as anything other than a must start. I mean, at the worst, a low-end running back one. I am sure we will eventually get a dud, but you don't want to be the person like to put HN on your bench for some reason, and then he goes off. And I know no one watching this is even considering that as many points as this guy has scored. So I think we just have to embrace it for what it is, Marcus, and realize that it shouldn't be possible, but it's happening, and we're here to enjoy it. Uh, Friedman, this this means, I assume, Jeff Wilson's he's the odd man out, right? Are we just we're, are we washing our hands of Jeff Wilson the rest of the year? I mean, if you maybe have one of those roster spots, like I would rather have uh, Jeff Wilson than a lot of other guys um, who are like in that backup role and you're like hoping. (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking like like all of these conditional backs that we would hold on to, um, you know, that like I would say, okay, think of like Chase Brown. I would rather have Jeff Wilson. Like a lot of the running backs that we mentioned, I like, I'm not going to say Tyler Algier, but like a lot of running backs that you think, oh, this guy is the handcuff. I would rather have Jeff Wilson because if one of these guys, Mostert or Achan suffers an injury, Wilson could step into a role where he has maybe 10 touches a game. And like that actually is worth way more in the Dolphins offense than these other conditional running backs. So like maybe you hold on to him if you have that empty roster spot, but you're probably not holding on to him. Like there probably has to be someone else who has a better chance of giving you more points right now. So I guess I would say like, if you're looking for a conditional roster spot, maybe, but like you can probably go find some actual fantasy points that might help your roster. Well, we all want as many parts of the Dolphins offense as we can possibly get. So uh, maybe, maybe, maybe if you do have the spot, maybe Jeff Wilson is worth hanging on to. But probably, uh, especially if you need a win right now, uh, there may be some other places to go to, to get some help. We're talking about backup running backs, but backup quarterbacks have been very much in the news across the NFL because so many of them seem to find their way into starting roles recently. Uh, Matthew Berry and our own wide receiver one Showtime Golden Tate stopped by to talk about the QB2s who become QB1s and what it can mean for your fantasy life. Thanks, Marcus. All right, Golden, let's talk injuries. They're a part of life in the NFL. They're a part of life in fantasy football, but it just feels like this year it's been worse than ever, especially at the quarterback position. Every single week, it feels like we lose a big-name quarterback due to injury. Over 50 different players have played the quarterback position so far this year. There's going to be even more new guys coming up in Week 14, including in Jacksonville. At least that's what we think. As of this taping, it looks like C.J. Beathard will get the start for the Jaguars as Trevor Lawrence tries to rehab that ankle injury, but it's a short week. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. So here's my question for you. That game was brutal, right? Not only did they lose Trevor Lawrence to an injury, but Christian Kirk looks like he's out for the year. What can this Jaguars offense do with C.J. Spethard getting ready on a short week without Christian Kirk and now having to play the Cleveland Browns, one of the best defenses in the NFL? 
Well, you're exactly right. And the tough thing is a short week. But look, C.J. Beathard, you know, what, 2017 draft uh, in the third round. Uh, you know, so he's he's an older guy at this point. He's seen he's been sitting on the pine for a while. He's been ha- taking a lot of mental reps. But the X factor and X factor in this is Doug Peterson. OK, Doug Peterson uh, went to and won the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback who was an older guy in Nick Foles. Right. So this is a situation where he's going to have another opportunity. It definitely hurts not having your leading receiver. We all will agree with that. And we know that. But you still do have Calvin Ridley, who should step up, get more targets, more opportunities and hopefully make more plays. You still got Zay who's coming, who's, who's back in action and definitely has a lot of gas in the tank. And then you have the running back who can run behind the tackles. He can get outside wide. He can run option routes. He's very talented. Now, Doug's going to have to really pay attention to what CJ likes in the offense. Like, what does he do very, very well? Uh, What concepts can he run in his sleep? And what you're going to do is you're going to decorate those in two by twos, one by threes, three by ones. You're going to motion guys. You're going to jet guys to um you know to to mask what you're actually trying to do but if anyone can do it i think a doug peterson offense can do it and oh yeah i forgot evan ingram got his first touchdown and i said a few weeks ago that they come in bunches so look you rely on your athletes to make plays okay um there is a significant drop off but look at this time it's crunch time and that division is playoff time for uh getting ready for the playoffs for real life and fantasy football and i think it can be done now I want to ask you, uh, is there any hope in your mind for fantasy managers like me trying to make the playoffs with some of these backup quarterbacks? I literally made the playoffs last week uh, in elite and because we we played two weeks per playoff. So our uh, playoffs start a week early. I made the playoffs thanks to Jake Browning. Jake Browning had a monster game, you know, rushing touchdown, passing touchdown, over 300 passing yards. So you have to pick your spots. But like we've seen, we've seen the Jake Brownings of the world have big fantasy days. We've seen Tommy DeVito have a big fantasy day. We've seen some of these guys step up. I think your mention of C.J. Beathard is absolutely correct. Look, Doug Peterson, he's a former NFL quarterback, a former Andy Reid disciple. He's always going to want to throw first. And yes, not having Christian Kirk is, is bad, but Zay Jones, uh, Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram you mentioned, Travis Etienne out of the backfield. There's enough weapons there that I think they'll be able to move the ball. C.J. Beathard's been in the league a long time. He'll be okay. So there's some of these guys that I think uh, – they may not be great real life NFL quarterbacks. They not may, may they may not be able to um, uh, you know um, lead their NFL team to victory. But I think if you pick your spots, it doesn't always have to be pretty. They can produce enough fantasy points to get you by uh, in your fantasy playoffs. Now, here's my question for you, Golden. Okay, so uh, a few of these guys that are backup quarterbacks are playing multiple games, right? Right. I mean. And I'm curious, from your eye, your experienced NFL eye, what stood out to you? Is there anything that sort of gives you hope from Aiden O'Connell with the Raiders, Joe Flacco with Cleveland? Looks like we're getting another Jameis Winston start with Derek Carr out in New Orleans. Any of these guys give you any kind of hope or sense? Yeah, in in, in real life terms, certainly. Um, I think after the game that Browning just had, he has shown he's more than suitable um, to hold down that offense and uh, and obviously fantasy production as well. Joe Flacco, I'm a huge fan of veteran quarterbacks that athletically and talent-wise, maybe it's come and gone, but mentally I can make the plays. 
and I know who my targets, who I'm going to target. I know who my playmakers are. I know where to place the ball. I might, I might not be able to get the ball to you the way I did, I did when I was 26 and 27, but I can get it to you and focus on my placement. Kind of like what Drew Brees did late in his career, more about the touch and the anticipation part of it. Um, and so that's why I like Joe Flacco. And he understands that, look, I don't need to try to go out there and put up 35 points. I have a really good defense. And so the real life part of that is, you know, you have a chance on the fantasy part of that is like, ah, you know, especially if you have someone who's touchdown dependent, maybe you're a little bit nervous, but what was I see Joe Flacco, someone Browning. Um, and I'm going to choose to be a fan of B third as well, because he's from down the road. I went to battleground Academy in Tennessee. Um, you know, just looking at his where he was drafted and where he's been and who he's been sitting behind. I think he has a chance to do something. And look, like I said, Doug Peterson is going to be the X factor. Now you get to Aiden O'Connell. I, I, I just feel like the Raiders organization is a complete crap show over there. And if you can't find a way to get uh, what uh, Devontae Adams the ball consistently, who's one of the best in the world, then I, how can I have any hope uh, in you? And then you look over at the Patriots. I mean, they don't know who they want to start um, and whoever they start is not being been nice, but you have to look at the big picture and look at, uh, you know, the game script, who they're going to be against because any new quarterback, I feel like it's a no brainer to blitz the crap out of him and try to be effective. And if you're going to, if these teams are going to be able to march these new quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, 12 play drives consistently to score with me blitzing you, then so be it. Um, so it's kind of more of a knowledge thing, uh, more than anything to me. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think the other concern about some of these backup quarterbacks is can they get the ball to other wide receivers? You may not need to start one of these fantasy quarterbacks, but what about the players on the team? And I think what we've found is that you just, again, you got to be smart about it. But uh, generally speaking, anyone that's going to play quarterback in the NFL is good enough, has a high enough skill level to at least get the ball to their playmakers. Are they as good? No, they're not. But again, we saw this on Monday night. Jamar Chase had a Jamar Chase-type game with Jake Browning, right? We've seen this with Gardner Minshew in Indianapolis. Like, not only does Michael Pittman continue his high floor of production, but Josh Downs, there's a connection between Minshew and Josh Downs. You mentioned Joe Flacco. Did you know that over 50% of the games that they have played, Joe Flacco and Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore has at least nine targets, in 50% of the games he's played with Joe Flacco, again, there was a connection between Flacco and Elijah Moore when they both played for the Jets, and that's carried over in their first game back with Cleveland. Amari Cooper left that game early, so that contributed a little bit. But yes, Flacco's a pro who can execute an offense. Think about Josh Dobbs. I have no concerns about Justin Jefferson when he comes back this week because Josh Dobbs is going to be able to get him the ball. And Josh Dobbs, by the way, a viable fantasy player himself. You mentioned Aiden O'Connell. Like, Aiden O'Connell, I think, is continuing to get better. And off of the bye, Aiden O'Connell starting to get, you know, the ball more to Devontae Adams. Uh, Jacoby Myers has started to show some life again a couple last couple of games. And so, um, yeah, I think there's confidence in these court backup quarterbacks, if for nothing else, to get the ball to the players we care about. Honestly, if I have Chris Olave on my team, and I have him on a number of teams, I actually prefer Jameis Winston to Derek Carr under center because Jameis isn't scared to sling it. Jameis is like, F it. Olave's down there somewhere. Go get it. And by the way, that's exactly what Chris Olave will do. And, and so, um, uh, you know, I think while it is frustrating and we wish the stars were out there and maybe it isn't as good, I don't think, I think star players remain to be star players 
targets are earned and they can be earned whether it's a star quarterback or a backup there as well. Uh, Golden, anything you uh, disagree with? What do you got there? No, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And, and ultimately, um, playmakers make plays no matter what the situation is. Um, I know when I have dealt with uh, injuries to quarterbacks, I take it upon myself to make these plays. So our receivers and uh, our running backs and tight ends need to, hey, just give me a shot. Give me a chance. But a huge part of this with the quarterback development is going to be who you have at offensive coordinator. Is he able to be uh, versatile? Is he able to, within three, four, five days, adjust the offense enough to um, give these backup quarterbacks a chance and, and have them feel confident. Like, and so you have to get a beat on these guys and you see it um, time after time, like some guys go out there and they can hold it down. But like ultimately in fantasy football, like if you lost someone like uh, Trevor Lawrence this late or one of the key quarterbacks that you drafted high or even a receiver, like how much faith do you have and confidence do you have anyway? So you're kind of almost out here with the, with the, wish you're you're hoping for early christmas present and, and some luck along with it which is exactly what you can get from you know browning and and, and what brethard golden i could not agree more um so you and i are on the same page so it's a question as to whether marcus grant agrees with us marcus Time now to get into some predictions and team bets. And joining us and stepping forward, I guess, uh, as he normally does this time of the show, it's Matthew Friedman. In fact, we've got his best bets presented by DraftKings. An interesting one between the Baltimore Ravens and the Los Angeles Rams. The Ravens uh, still gunning for that one seed in the AFC. The Rams starting to get hot and trying to get themselves a playoff spot in the NFC. But it seems like you are swinging heavily toward the home team in this one. Yeah, the past couple of weeks, favorites have absolutely dominated in the NFL. And I'm going with the favorites here. You have the Ravens at home coming off of the bye. Uh, as you mentioned, a real opportunity to secure the number one seed here uh, if they run out the slate. And it's a weather game. This total has dropped from 44.5 to 40.5 as the forecast is calling for a lot of rain, winds approaching 20 miles per hour. And I think that negative situation for the Rams uh, means a lot of good things here for the Ravens. The Rams who play indoors, uh, their offense is predicated on the passing game. I think if they are forced to be one-dimensional, uh, that really benefits the Ravens, who have a great defense. Uh, and then, of course, the Ravens, I think they can be comfortable playing in an offensive environment that uh, you know kind of plays towards the ground game. Of course, Lamar Jackson, one of the best runners in the league, and the Ravens are number one in offensive rush, EPA, and success rate. You put that all together, I think the Ravens at seven points are probably the right side here. So the Ravens. Uh, tell the Rams never more. Meanwhile, we get over to the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. We saw this game uh, a couple of weeks ago on Thanksgiving night. The Niners rolled in that one. And, of course, just coming off uh, a shellacking of the Philadelphia Eagles. San Francisco this year, they and the Dallas Cowboys, uh, each with seven wins by 18 or more points. It's a big number in this one, Friedman. Uh, it seems like you feel comfortable with that big number. Yeah, I mean, again, I, it feels so square to say like, hey, I like the 49ers. They're really good. But I don't think 10 and a half points is quite enough 
the Seahawks, like no disrespect to them, but the 49ers are really in a tier of their own. Uh, and you look at all the different power ratings across the industry. It is the 49ers at the top and then separated by at least a point and a half. In some cases, maybe two and a half points to the next team. They are just absolutely up there in their own tier. And you look at the production that they have, it makes sense. Brock Purdy is number one in a lot of efficiency metrics. I'm not saying that's because he's the best quarterback in the league, but within the offense, he's able to operate at a level that sustains that entire operation. And uh, with Purdy, the 49ers three and zero against the spread against the Seahawks. The 49ers have covered in their three games against the Seahawks with Purdy by at least eight points. Uh, so it's just an absolute smash spot for them. And as you mentioned, when they win, they are winning by margin. So absolute great spot here for uh, for the, the 49ers going against a Seahawks team that couldn't hang with them at home on Thanksgiving. I don't know why that's really any different here now. So 10 and a half, it is a big number, but I just don't think it's big enough. And certainly the Niners with an eye on that Cowboys-Eagles game because the Eagles lost combined with the 49ers win uh, puts them in the driver's seat for that one seed uh, in the NFC playoffs. Third bet that you've got going here, speaking of big numbers, the Dolphins on Monday night <clears throat> taking on the Tennessee Titans, and uh, you like Miami to roll here. I continue to get more disgusting with the bets that I'm making here. Not disgusting in the sense of like, hey, this is so sharp. He's on the big underdog. But I mean, hey, uh, it doesn't take a genius to be like, the Dolphins are really good. 13 points is a lot of points. But the Titans, they are just definitively a bad team this year. And the Dolphins have dominated when they have played teams that are just a tier or at least a tier, maybe a couple of tiers below them. The Dolphins have been great at punching down at opponents this year. The Dolphins are a league best seven and one against the spread as favorites uh, in their nine wins. They have an 18.6 point differential on average. And you look at the Titans. Historically, Mike Vrabel teams have been good as underdogs, but not this year. They are one and four against the spread with Will Levis as their quarterback. And he's just not the promised one. He looked great in that first game. Since then, it's just been a situation that feels very negative. You have Derrick Henry dealing with injuries. I just do not think that the Dolphins are going to allow the Titans to score enough points to get the backdoor cover. And the Dolphins, I mean, this is a great matchup of offensive passing against defensive uh, passing here. The Dolphins, top four in dropback EPA and success rate. The Titans, bottom four in dropback EPA and success rate on the defensive side of the ball. So I think we're going to see a ton of points from the Dolphins, and I just don't think that the Titans have enough offensive competency to get that back to recover. So the unstoppable force against the very movable object is what we're probably dealing with with the uh, Dolphins and Titans on Monday night football expecting Miami to put up points because that is exactly what they do uh, you do have a team prop here DJ Moore over 68 and a half receiving yards uh, it's going to be cold in Chicago on Sunday uh, Friedman although I guess maybe not so windy so maybe things very much still in play there you know, and that is one that I think all three of us talked about and kind of agreed on uh, that we like this one. And DJ Moore, it is a weather game, but he's still going to get his targets. And uh, you have the Bears as underdogs in this game. They're still going to need to throw a little bit. DJ Moore has been fantastic when Justin Fields has been out there. Uh, in their seven full games together, DJ Moore has 741 yards receiving. So... 
just uh it's hard to say that this is a smash spot given the weather issues but just dj Moore on his own with justin fields this is a really low number and then that matchup going against a defense that is number 30 and drop back success rate for the lions so really like the spot here for dj Moore. uh Dwayne, i think you are also on this bet here if i'm looking at your projections yeah, I mean, we have to watch the weather, but it looks like it's going to be dry there. It's just 15 to 20 mile per hour winds. When we get to the 20 and you have the consistent gusts going, that's when we really worry. If it's just really going to be around 15 miles per hour, we can be fine in this game. But DJ Moore, we have him projected for 78.3 yards, Freeman. He averages 105.9 with Fields in five of seven games. 71% of the time that he has played with Justin Fields, he has gone over this number. So, yes, I am with you over 68 and a half receiving yards for DJ Moore at minus 115. All right, so there you go. We're thinking DJ Moore has himself a decent day. Uh, intriguing matchup between the Lions and the Bears uh, in Chicago coming up this weekend. Uh, that is all for serious. In the meantime, for Ian and Friedman, they're just teasing. Welcome back to another edition of Just Teasing. Sadly, once again, not exactly coming back from what some might call legally a winning ticket, but... Quit worrying about the past. We're here to win in week 14, and we got some winners to do just that. So Friedman, as always, with the teaser, taking off six points from two separate lines, parlaying them together, and hopefully we are profiting at the end of the day. So, hey, two premier matchups of the week. I know we already talked a lot about the Eagles and the Cowboys. What are you thinking, though, Friedman, about Bills versus Chiefs? Yeah, I like the Bills in this spot, plus one and a half. Josh Allen for his career as a road underdog. He's been a very strong player, uh, I believe 10, 5, and 2 against the spread for his career. And so getting the extra points going through the key number of three, key number of seven, I think this will probably be a field goal, a touchdown type of game. I'd be surprised if either one of these teams blows out the other one. So getting the bills at plus seven and a half here, I think provides some value. Seven games this year, guys, that the Chiefs have already scored 21 or fewer points. Only had eight such games combined with that point total during the first four seasons of the Patrick Mahomes experience. So truly unprecedented times going on in Kansas City. Not exactly the team in the Buffalo Bills that they want to be running into right now, especially coming off that bye. So I'm going to go ahead and, you know, do something that I don't necessarily love doing all the time. But let's face it, the guy brings us a good point sometimes. I'm going to agree with Friedman here and lock down the San Francisco 49ers guys minus 10 and a half down to minus four and a half now if you're listening to this and you are a devoted diehard you know smart gambler first of all thank you always love having you guys with us but I'm probably you know making some mistakes here with the teaser there's certain key numbers you're not supposed to cross through there is a you know somewhat of a science to this and I'm ignoring all that because the one true thing we know in the NFL this year is that a fully healthy 49ers football team is far and away the best team in the NFL so it could be minus four and a half it could be minus ten and a half for even if I had to add points to this teaser and still take the 49ers with no odd change I think I'd probably just continue to roll with that so that's how good I'm feeling about the 49ers. Freeman's got the Bills again, teasing these down so you could get Buffalo at minus or not minus at plus seven and a half. Feeling good about that going into Arrowhead, and then the Niners going down to minus four and a half sounds like a winner to me. So thanks, thank you guys again for tuning in to Just Teasing. Back to you, Marcus. Time now to wrap up the show with our prime time staff picks. So we've got. Uh, 
couple of games, four games actually, to be honest, to uh, pick. We got the Thursday night game between the Patriots and the Steelers. Sunday night football with the Eagles and the Cowboys. And a doubleheader on Monday night. Packers and Giants and Dolphins and Titans. We'll go around the horn. Which, by the way, uh, last week we all sort of snickered when Ian decided to go opposite of all of us. And uh, he ended up 2-1. and one. So... Uh, last laugh goes to Ian Harditz after last week. So, uh, Dwayne, you get to start things off, though. What do you like for the primetime contests? Yeah, Ian's going to act like he's really smart, and he just stole from Friedman. He used his leverage. <laughs> he didn't have any reason for taking any of those gains those way. But, you know, we'll, we'll give him a hat tip. He's, he's trying to win. Uh, yeah, do I have to pick this first game? Can I just, like, pass on Pittsburgh versus New England? Um, I guess give me the Steelers because they're at home. I mean, I look, I don't, I don't really, this is going to be a bad game. We're going to have Mitchell Trubisky versus Bailey Zappi. I mean, I don't know. Like, can either of these teams get to 100 yards passing? Just give me the home team with the Steelers. Uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles over my Cowboys. And the reason why is because, I'll be honest, I looked and I saw that, Marcus, you are, you're winning this thing right now. And you have the Cowboys. <laughs> and Friedman's also ahead of me. And he has the Cowboys. So I went with the Eagles as much as I hate that. Uh, and you know, they're a good team. So there's a chance that happens anyway. And then the Packers, they are on a heater. I will give Ian hat, hat, you know, a hat tip on, on the Packers. Like this is a guy that we talk about all the time in our different podcasts and, uh, Ian's always bringing him up. I'm like, man, what's your thing with Jordan love? He's like, I see something here. And Jordan love is just, he's playing out of his mind. The giants, they're not, and they just don't, it's, it's a bad season for the giants. It's a loss season. You don't have your starting quarterback. I mean, half your team is hurt and it wasn't a very good team. Anyway, they won a lot of close games last year and got lucky. And it's just really all come falling back to earth this season. So easily take the Packers over the giants. And then in the second Monday night football game, I will go ahead and take Miami over Tennessee for all of the reasons that uh, Friedman already alluded to. All right, so Dwayne going the Steelers, Eagles, Packers, and Dolphins. Uh, Ian, I don't know if you were in last in the uh, in the document on this one, and I don't know how contrarian you can be, but uh, let me know what you decided to pick. Winners write the history books, uh, Marcus. You know that one. But, yeah, I got my picks down first, and now Dwayne's all of a sudden got the same picks as me. It's just funny how that uh, works out sometimes. But, anyway, guys, yeah, very excited here to take the Steelers going up against a Patriots team that has scored 13 points in three weeks. And oh yeah, they've only faced the Colts, Giants, and Chargers during that stretch. So cannot imagine, we've never seen a Bill Belichick be down this bad, expecting those bad times to keep on rolling. So kind of sad how close Mitch Trubisky's numbers are compared to Kenny Pickett over these past two years. Really don't necessarily expect a drop off from that already pretty meh uh, Steelers offense. So yeah, get have them getting it done in an ugly Thursday night affair. And then just in terms of Sunday night, I am also going to be taking the Eagles. I just think that as great as Dak has been playing, this is not the first time that we've seen Dak have a nice six, seven game stretch of playing MVP caliber football. And I just think it's tough for someone to play this good that long, especially against an Eagles team that, yes, got embarrassed last week against the 49ers, but who really hasn't gotten embarrassed by the 49ers this year when they have been at full strength? So those are the only two ones I think deserve any sort of, you know, conversation. Otherwise, give me the chalk, the Packers over the Giants and the, not the Titans, the Dolphins over the Titans. That would be crazy. 
That would be crazy indeed. Uh, yeah, this one, uh, a lot of things just feels like it's hard to sort of go against the grain in this week. Uh, I'm going to take the Steelers as well because neither team has a good offense. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense just happens to be less bad than New England's. I mean, this is the same Patriots team that if there's ever such a thing as a 6 nothing blowout in the NFL, that's kind of what happened to them uh, against the Chargers last week. So give me the Steelers there. I'm going to take the Cowboys. Partially because I'm rooting for chaos, and uh, having them win puts them in a tie in the division, uh, makes things really interesting for the one seed in the NFC, and I just want things to be as chaotic as they can be down the stretch, so give me the Cowboys to win that one on Sunday night. Uh, I'll take the Packers there because Jordan Love really starting to get going. The Packers starting to pick up some steam and making a late push for a wild card spot in the NFC, and uh, easy call taking the Dolphins there against the Titans. Friedman sort of outlined uh, all the ways that this Dolphin team can light things up against Tennessee. So I will take Miami. So uh, it falls to you now, Mr. Friedman. What would you like for this weekend? Well, I think uh, we all know that I was the first in the outline to put the picks in there. And then what a coincidence. It's not that the betting market is strongly pointing in one direction. It's just that I put my stuff in there and then you guys all followed me. That's that's the way that this kind of has worked out. But the Steelers, I mean, I, I can't imagine wanting to watch this game. I probably won't on Thursday Night Football, but I will be rooting for the Steelers. I think that they end up beating the Patriots here. Sunday Night Football, going with my Cowboys, Dak has been lights out for his career career in division especially at home uh and then the two monday night football games going with the packers i mean tommy devito nice story sort of but uh i think the packers just end up rolling here and then the dolphins talked about that earlier i mean they could end this they could they could win by 20 in this spot so very much on the dolphins here all right, so uh, really the only place we differ is uh, in the Sunday night game where two of us have the Eagles, two of us have the Cowboys. Other than that, everything pretty much looks the same. Not much of a surprise based on what the matchups are. In the meantime, I know for a lot of you out there, uh, this is the last hurrah in terms of trying to make the fantasy playoffs. So we wish you the best of luck. Hopefully everything we have said uh, at least gives you some information to help you win. And if not, hopefully you were at least entertained uh, for the last little bit or so. But we appreciate you hanging out with us regardless of your reasons. That'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Life Show. For Matthew Barry, for Golden Tate. Ian Hart, it's Dwayne McFarland and Matthew Friedman. My name is Marcus Grant. Glad you could be here with us. Enjoy the weekend of football, everybody, and we will talk to you again real soon.